Welcome to another episode of Pod Jerky. I'm Master Impressive. Joining me today, we have a very special guest. He's a super talented music producer and Canadian hip hop pioneer from Vancouver, Canada, DJ Kimo. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on? Thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. It's a pleasure to have you on finally. DJ Kimo is a legend in the field of mixing, mastering, and production, and started his brilliant career as a member of the Rascals, a legendary Canadian hip-hop group, which includes Red One and Misfit. These guys are pioneers in the industry, smashing out such hits as Top of the World, Northern Touch, Dreaded Fist, and Crazy World. Our very first Podjerky music showcase featured the Rascals, and prior to that, DJ Kimo joined us in an online interview, which happened out of the blue. It wasn't scheduled, and that was very generous on his part, since he's always very busy with work and family life, and we really appreciated that. Currently, Kimo is very busy cranking out big tracks such as 2020 Love, working with artists such as Checkmate the Rapper from the Van City, Vancouver, Canada, and has worked with a number of huge hip-hop artists throughout the years, such as Method Man, Barrington Levy, Frank and Dank, Thrust, Chaclair, Chaos, Cardinal, KRS-One, Swollen Members, Mocha Only, Concise, Akon, and that's just to name a few. So thanks again for joining us today, and it's so good to finally have you on. First off, it's great to see you so busy these days. I got to tell you, your talent, like most of the Canadian artists, is so underappreciated in this country. It's completely slept on. It's important for us as music fans to showcase you guys and show the world that we have big, big time heavy hitters doing their thing here in Canada. And we wish you continued success in your career. You got some big fans here and throughout the world. I was just wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you got started, your progression through your musical career and how you've reached this point where you're with Vanguard's Music, which is a production team. And I was just wondering if you could talk about that as well. It all started a few years before I linked up with Red One and formed Rascals. You know, just falling in love with hip-hop and being fascinated by DJing. So it started there with collecting records. And soon after, like real soon after I got into DJing, I was really curious on how to make the beats, right? A lot of the production that I fell in love with kind of came a little later on in the late 80s because the mid-80s stuff to me was a little too... It lacked some feel and soul. And then when guys like Marley Marl and came with the Juice Crew and Public Enemy, the Shockley Brothers... Bomb Squad, like that production to me really intrigued me. You know, I loved it. So the majority of that production was all sample based. So, you know, being a DJ and wanting to know where these records are from and, and how to loop them up. And that's kind of where it all started. And then, you know, soon, just a, a year or two later, I met up with Red One and we started messing around and loosely formed the group Rascals. Let me just ask you very quickly. When you did meet up, was this sort of just like a, hey, you know, we're into the same kind of vibe, we're following the same artists, just hanging out? Or was this more like you guys were on a path already where you wanted to start something, a group, or just get something going, you know, collaboration, and then you said, hey, let's start something up here, man. We see something good. We got this positive vibe coming out. Yeah, it was, it was pretty organic, natural. Like, you know, we met up. I had known him from years before. We were never really buddies, but 
I'd see him around and, and then we kind of linked up again one year at this house party and uh he's telling me he's rapping and i'm like oh man i'm into djing and, and trying to produce and stuff he's like oh cool come hang out at this at the other homie's house and he had like a cool setup with turntables and a bunch of records and, and it was all just vibing and and then from pretty quick into us hanging out there was opportunities to do some shows where he's like oh i'm gonna do some raps and and you know let's come up with some original material so were these like street level shows are we talking like you know promoted and everybody's getting paid or is this just strictly for the love of the art they were like not house parties but like just private teenage parties just some functions where the kids were coming to a dance and hip-hop was big so the majority of the music in these dances was hip-hop obviously and uh you know there was opportunities to just get on the stage and it was that sort of scenario so we've done a few of these interviews a lot of them have been just doing research in the background and we found out that a lot of the people in our same age group following hip-hop at the time followed that same sort of trajectory where they were doing house parties or things like that hanging out at the basketball court next to, you know a couple of people get together they got the turntables they get some rappers on they got the break dancers going so i completely understand how you got the whole organic thing going on there and it just seems one thing just builds on itself and just keeps going from there. Yeah, we're talking like early, early 90s. You know, I think every city had a little scene. I'm sure some were bigger and smaller than others. But, you know, the hip hop was really growing at this point, right? And uh, people just created opportunities where there really was nothing. We just had to do something, right? And, and take advantage of what's there. And, and that's one thing that we really respect. You guys built the scene. You know, you guys are the pioneers, and we've talked to a lot of the people, you know, we've been in contact with Chocolaire Thrust a lot. Like, just hearing what you guys went through, the grind just to get the stuff done, just to get off the ground, I got to tell you, you guys were, like, fearless. We're going to take a quick break to show some love to another podcast. Hey there, Podjerky listeners. Are you a hot mess? Do you have a lot of embarrassing moments? Do you have mental health issues? Are you all over the place all of the time? Same. <laughs> My podcast is about all of these things and more. I have lots of different guests on that are wonderful and get vulnerable and we laugh and we talk and we relate. So if this sounds interesting to you, please go check out my podcast, Figure It Out, by host Julia Johnson. That's me. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all the places you need to listen to, it's there. That was Julia from Figure It Out. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. I was listening to stories where people were going down to the States, walking into the main record headquarters, and they were just saying, here, man, this is our stuff. We're dope. Listen to yeah. this shit, you know? It's so cool. I love hearing that. You guys, you got it done. And we're talking, when they were doing these shows, when they were doing the street promotions, where they were going down to the States, we're talking like 16, 17, 18, very early on. And right. man, it's just scary. Just the dedication and the focus that you guys were showing to the craft and you guys were willing to do anything. And I think that's, you know, the main thing that a lot of people respect from you guys is that you took your love of the art, the music, the genre, the whole lifestyle, 
and you just built up this massive empire here in Canada. And I'm telling you, a lot of people throughout the world look to you guys as the pioneers. Mind you, there's the big names in the States, but here in Canada, I'm telling you, you guys are right at the top. So if you don't hear it enough, then... I appreciate you know, it. Um, I don't know about big empire i feel like we were pieces of a puzzle i mean you know there was groups before us obviously maestro dream warriors sure. uh there's a few others already doing their things in toronto which really helped influence us on the west mm-hmm. coast right because we we're watching rap city on much music and soul in the city actually before it even turned to rap city we we're just watching right like these artists actually making videos and representing hip-hop in Canada really fueled our fire, right? So Again, don't underestimate your reach, man. And <laughs> like when I say empire, listen, I'm telling you, there's a lot of people like maybe we're not as vocal. You know, Canada's small in the size, like our population is very tiny compared to the States. But damn, let me tell you, everybody that's into hip-hop in our age bracket is listening to you guys cranking out your tunes at work all the time, every day, and we never left. Even Frankenstein Hip Hop was talking to some of the same things that you were mentioning, and it's just, we are always there. Even if you can't see us in certain ways, man, man. we got your back. That's a blessing, man. That's a blessing because, you know, even if it's years later, it's good to see the work that we put in, you know, be of value then and now, you know what I mean? So it's a blessed thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'm telling you, like, we appreciate, we see the skill and, you know, just, I'm just going to speak for myself. I think you guys are kick-ass. The quality of your beats, the samples you guys get, the mixing, the production quality, the artists, the collaborations, we appreciate it all. And any opportunity that we can get to promote you guys and get your names out there, we will absolutely do it because we think you guys are just amazing, man. Thank you, bro. No problem. We're going to take another break to help out another podcast. Hey, everyone. I am Nick. And I'm Russ. And if you're looking for a podcast about current events that's well-informed, highly educated, and safe to share with your whole family, that's not us. Nope, it's not. But here at the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast, we have an opinion about everything and don't mind sharing it. That we do. New episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Check us out at nickandrust.com. And find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more, including YouTube. Thank you, and I love you all. That was Nick and Russ from Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. I was just wondering if you can talk a little bit about Vanguard's music. Come the late 90s and into the early 2000s. I just I started working with different uh, production tools. I started working with different uh, apps, right? Mm-hmm. Apps and yeah. programs, and this. And I started working with a few different friends of mine are on the same system, right? I think it was, I think it was Reason at the time. A few of my buddies are all on Reason, and one friend put me onto Reason, which is what I actually made the beat for Cardinals Dangerous with at the time. And you know, we're just collaborating, and guys were sending me their ideas, and we're kind of doing things and. Yeah, so I figured, yo, you know, let's create a name for this team. And I had my boy, Big Sife in Los Angeles, was part of the thing. I had a few homies here in Vancouver, uh, Vago and Don Cristo and, and Hazel, who I did the Dangerous record with. Mm-hmm. So there was like four, four or five of us all together. So the Vanguard's team, you know, consists of four or five of us. And this, I think it was around the mid-2000s, we just started collaborating together and just kind of 
getting into expanding kind of the genres even you know what i mean kind of yeah. trying to mess do some kind of pop feels do some r&b feels uh even reggae and latin stuff so I've noticed from your IG feed that you're really a lot into the Latin scene. I'm just wondering, in terms of the Van City, is that a big thing out there, the Latino scene? Yeah, every country has their uh, community of Latinos. Uh, yeah. Sorry, every city. And obviously, the bigger cities in Canada has a bigger community. But yeah, it's there. It's always been there since cool. we got here. And, um, you know, it's it's small and sometimes it's separated and... Because there's a lot of different Spanish-speaking countries, so like you know, there's usually one or two clubs that the music itself brings all these different uh, nationalities together, you know, under the same umbrella of speaking Spanish, right? So yeah. whether it be a salsa night or a cumbia or like uh, you know these other genres, um, but yeah, me personally, I started getting into DJing like Latin music in like the mid. 2000s i guess like 2005 around the when reggaeton really kind of exploded internationally so yeah around there i start getting in, into that kind of field I, I start playing in some clubs where we're playing reggaeton and merengue salsa and, you know other stuff would you say that the majority of your work right now is at the club scene or is it in production where do you see the majority of your well, work coming well, before right now? this whole covid bs um I was working almost every weekend in clubs, like whether it was a, a reggae night or like a top 40 night or a mm. Latin night. I was playing different clubs. It would be like an underground, old school hip-hop night. Um, I was DJing a lot, still, you know, active in different venues. And throughout the week, I would focus on productions. But the weekends, I'd be with family and working at night kind of thing. Right now, I just wanted to mention the Vanguard's music production clip. This beat slaps hard, so hard. Check it. This is a Vanguard's production. solely with vanguard's music now or do you work solo and team up with them on specific projects yeah i mean you know vanguard's uh, at the time we were all kind of focused on the team but as the years went by each man kind of started focusing on their own thing and vanguard's is my company literally a company that i formed and i still work with these guys uh, on occasion but yeah i do a lot of my own stuff focusing on a lot of my own stuff and but i still collaborate with a few of the guys and you know still some of the material i'm putting out includes them like i think i just did a remix for 
the homie David Strickland in Toronto for uh, for a song called Feathers, and and that's a production I did with uh, Don Cristo, one of my Vanguard guys. So you know, sometimes I'll take I'll have these like records that we that we started like a long time ago, but I'll like revamp them. You know, I'll take the I'll take the music and the MIDI files or whatever and create like a you know like a newer updated version of these ideas we had because to me ideas they could always be you know reused and reshaped and made new again you know absolutely yeah they're timeless and i'll tell you that with some of the artists that we've been doing some of the showcases on they're doing the same thing like they have a lot of stuff in the vault old school tracks stuff that was unreleased you know maybe a record deal fell through or some shit happened in the background and the stuff yeah. just never got released to the light of day and there is a ton of stuff that these guys have and i think right now there's a resurgence in the boom bap and old school hip-hop and they're really excited and a lot of them are working behind the scenes to either remaster their tracks or to actually polish up whatever they had there, which maybe wasn't finished or wasn't ready yet. Maybe add a special bit of juice that they have now put on it and mm -hmm. send yeah. it out. For us as fans, it's great to see that, and we can't wait to hear this stuff. We're going to take one more break to help out another podcast. Every 73 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the United States. We are here to tell you, you are not alone. Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, tells the stories of victims and survivors of true crime with a focus on the support these survivors need. We provide information for those who have endured trauma and for those who love someone who has. Tune in every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to hear these stories of hope, survival, and empowerment. No one should go through this alone. We believe you. That was Sarah from Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. Make sure you tune in and hit that subscribe button. Are you willing to try different genres? Or are you strictly into just doing the hip hop and some of the different flavors, you know, within that category? No, not at all. I mean, like, like I said, like in around the mid 2000s, I started kind of just trying out different stuff. And like over the years, I've done, I've tried EDM, I've tried, uh, straight pop records i have a project that's now that we're releasing now with a good friend of mine he's an r&b singer we did what's called bachata right which okay. is like a like a latin caribbean fusion genre that's really big you know even drake has a record with this guy romeo santos and usher has a record with romeo santos it's a really big genre and uh, you know we did a project a few years ago that we're just releasing this year which is all r&b and like pop ballads but turned into bachata all in spanish it's cool just to hear these different kind of flavors coming out you're so diverse and I think that's what a lot of people pick up on, especially if they listen to your catalog of music so far. You've done so many different things. And I think that also helps out in keeping you fresh, trying these different avenues, taking chances, seeing what works. Um, yeah, it's just, for, for me, it's just kind of the love of music and what I feel like I can try and, and get away with. But like, yeah, the vibe is pretty much reggaeton and kind of trap Latino. I've done some Afrobeat records uh, with a couple, this one African artist out of Chicago. And yeah, it's all, to me, it's all fun. Like I really enjoy doing and trying these different genres and styles. And to me, I think the end product is 
you know, up to par with some of the other stuff that's hitting in those genres. So I would put your stuff and the stuff that's coming out of Canada right there with everybody else. I don't care what anybody says, you know, they might be biased to their own artists, you know, the music coming out of their own countries. But as fans, you know, I'm not shilling anything here. I'm just giving you the straight facts, the truth. The stuff that you guys put out is just as good as the best stuff out there and even better. And I'm telling you, a lot of people are coming back. They're watching you. They're listening and they're saying, I had no idea this stuff was coming out of Canada. Who are these guys? And even yeah, with the podcast, sure. we're reaching people in the States and they're like, I knew about Drake, but damn, this is good music. And they right. said, we never thought this existed in Canada. And I said, there you go. This is yeah. the vehicle that we're using to help get the message out there for all the fans, people that like your type of music. It's a cool thing. Yeah, it's, and that's always been an issue with like the US, us being exposed to the U.S., right? Because the American labels have always, to be honest, they've never respected the Canadian side of the label. You know what I mean? Like they might be friends with these people and presidents and A&Rs in Toronto, like, I'm talking, like, people in New York and L.A. Oh, sure. But they're like, we don't fuck with whatever you guys are doing. Like, it's like, to them, it's always been kind of a joke. But, I mean, like, there's been records that I know DJs in L.A. loved from Toronto and, and Vancouver, right? You know what I mean? There's some of the realest DJs were really into uh, Socrates at the time when he was putting out his first few singles. Even with the stuff from the Rascals. Top of the world, some of those tracks, it's huge. Yeah, also, just, just huge. It, um, the DJ from nonfiction, Eclipse, he, yes. he put out, yes. he posted a video just a month or two ago of him and his crew, nonfiction. They're in Europe freestyling over Dreaded Fist instrumental. I never knew that. And then he sent me a message, he's like, yo, I love that instrumental, bro, blah, blah, blah. So, you know what I mean? Like DJs in New York and, and in the US, we're checking our stuff. It was just that the labels out there never cared for it. And it was like, yeah. I think that's the main reason why the majority of you guys had to start up your own record labels, your own companies, you know, do your own thing, promote yourselves. Let's put it this way. The industry was very negligent in just pissing away all the talent in this country and not giving them the shot that they deserved and thinking that your music doesn't matter or your fans don't matter or your message. But look, you put your stuff out there in the States, it explodes. And it's just telling you that you have a lot of people that are following you guys. So you know what? Too bad for the record labels. In my opinion, <laughs> I think they're pretty much dead anyway. So does it really even matter anymore? It just seems like everybody's gone on as independents to do their own thing. And you guys are just getting it done. I wanted to ask about your creative process, how you create your music. Do you have a special formula that you use or do you just go with a gut feeling and start mixing stuff together on, you know, how something sounds and how that could lend itself to a particular artist? Like, how do you go about it? Nowadays, I kind of like aim for something specific. Sometimes it's for a project that has to kind of have this feel, right? And I'm either searching or I'm emulating another record that has the feel I'm going for. I mean, sometimes I'll start with sample or if it's just depending on what genre I'm dealing with, right? Like sometimes I'll hear something and I'll be like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Let me kind of work with that. And uh, yeah, so it's always different. There's not one set process. 
sometimes some of the guys I work with will send me an idea or I'll do the same. I'll send them an idea and they'll send me something back. And I mean, it's always different. I mean, a lot of times we're kind of aiming for something, right? Like uh, the one reggaeton artist kid I work with, he'll be like, yo, I got this record, this Bad Bunny record. Or even now, it's like the amount of music on YouTube is absurd, right? So it's like, absolutely some people come to me with like these YouTube beats and they're like, hey, can you make something like this? I'll be like, I'll fart it out like really quick, <laughs> you know, and, and that's yeah. just to make them happy. Right. But when I'm sure. working on like the own the stuff for me, to be honest, I kind of strayed away from sampling for a good amount of years, but I'm like, I'm back on it now that I'm just like, cause it's just, it's it, like you said, it's that resurgence and, and that feel that that's coming back. And it's like, I've always loved it. And that's where I started. So it's kind of like, I'm kind of back where I'm started, but with the knowledge of better you know that's right you know it's just like that song do your thing right it's just the same thing just keep going and just do what makes you happy and there's people out there that appreciate the work for those of us not in the music business this is totally up to you if you want to talk to this but can you explain how a music producer or dj like yourself actually makes a living in your field like what kind of mechanism do you guys use to get paid be paid by the track or by the album as a music creator, there's a few different forms of getting paid. And every kind of situation is different and, and can be negotiated different. To be honest, the field that I'm in and over the years, it hasn't been ultra lucrative. I think a good amount of money that I made with Rascals was the time when we were touring and we were, you know, doing shows and, and getting some records played and me DJing, you know, that's another income that really helped for a lot of years. Um, mm -hmm. But to be honest, the one record that I did with Cardinal and Akon was a record that helped really give me some financial stability. You know what I mean? Because that record was just a pop hit, so it generated a good amount of money, right? For sure, everyone sure. involved. Otherwise, you know, some of the rascals monies from videos and radio streams back in the day was okay and nowadays me recording mixing mastering that's um that's obviously one avenue for me to be honest the production thing like i said there's just millions of beats on youtube so it's like how do you compete with that when people come to you and they want to buy a beat and you tell them oh i, I need like 500 or a thousand bucks they're like yeah. well i'll yeah. go to youtube and buy it for like 40 so uh, a lot of artists i work with i'll just give them the beat and i'll be like okay here work with that and it's kind of like on a non-exclusive the same way you'd buy a youtube beat kind of that scenario so it's like if they don't do nothing with it in a year i could use it again i could remix it revamp use it for another project nowadays a lot of these records are not going to radio and they're not being played on bet or much music so it's like there's no income there you mm -hmm. know what i mean so these the source income is coming from if you could place the record in how many places right so, that's right yeah and and your streams right so you know if, if you're getting like a decent amount of streams like because there's artists like mercury snack the ripper and a lot of you know a lot of these other new generation rappers that are doing well i think they're generating a good amount of money from streams you know what i mean um, yeah whether i mean youtube pays crap but i mean spotify and apple music and so you know people downloading uh, obviously them doing shows was helping them yeah, generate yeah. money 
but yeah, you, you have to have a significant number of streams to generate a decent income. And that's not easy to achieve. So let me ask you this. Do you have anybody that helps you with that side of the business or do you have to do it all yourself? Because let's be honest here. It takes a lot of effort to be on the social media, do your yeah. music, take care of your family, pay the bills, you know, just run your errands, yeah. do no, your no, taxes I, and all I, that stuff. I do pretty much all myself. I don't have anyone really helping at that point. And that's, you know, and I can't, I can only do so much. I don't like doing this part of the job. I've always only liked creating. I've never liked having a market or sell or push. And, and to be honest, I put minimal effort into it and the result is, yeah is there it's okay <laughs> yeah. but it, i still do yeah. this for the love you know what i mean if i can make money on something else and then be able to support the stuff i love then that's i'm gonna do that i think most rappers most rappers are hobbyists you know what i mean until it goes good for them like drake was a hobbyist until he started making millions you know like a lot of rappers i've worked with and seen that kind of come in and out of being a recording artist it's that because they couldn't make money off it and it's mm -hmm. like okay then they're gone for a few years to work and make money and then they come back and they're like oh i still want to rap you know what i mean totally get it because it seems like that's happened to a lot of people and even talking to some of the artists that we did our interviews with you know back in the day you needed to have money to get off the ground because like you said there was no support nobody cared so if you didn't have the financial backing and you couldn't get the vinyl pressed or you couldn't yeah. go to the states you couldn't go to fat beats whatever the case was the chances of actually making it and getting your name out there were almost non-existent so and I think that's why a lot of the talent that we did have, it vanished. That's unfortunate for us as fans because there were a lot of good artists from back in the day that I think a lot of us would still like to hear about and hear music from, but things turned out in a different way. So do you have any advice for those who might want to get into the music making right now, whether they want to be a rapper, producer, mixer, whatever it is? The only thing I see that will help anyone win is consistency that's it it's like if you are not consistent then you will not win you have to just consistently release music consistently do the same style almost you know what i mean like don't be too you know left and right field of things it's like if you got one feel one one type of sound one swag do that do that for yeah. two three years like yeah and if that don't work, then try the next one. But like, you know, some artists, they might be very talented, but they're doing too many styles, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's like, it seems like the only way to win nowadays is to be very niche. One of the other very important things that I have learned over, you know, the past few years is getting on playlists, whether it's what's on Spotify or Apple Music or whichever the biggest streaming platforms are to get on those playlists is vital for you yeah. to get numbers and build a following in anything one record that i did with the the bachata project i'm doing mm -hmm. it got on the main the biggest bachata playlist that spotify has and dude the numbers on that record compared to the numbers on the other records that didn't get on the playlist are absurd so it's like that's very key nowadays to to try and break a record is to get on these playlists. 
are you constantly working on your material or do you take a fair bit of time off? Like how do you balance your family life against the business of making music and production? Um, honestly, I should probably focus a little more time on the family stuff. I've gotten in a zone where I'm like really focused and still love working on music. You know what I mean? Like really just puts me in a zone and it's always been me. There's never, not that there's never, but there's been very few times where I've been kind of away from creating music or fed up with it or bored of it you know what yeah. i mean and i think i think me trying these other genres helps me you know maintain a consistent love and interest in making music do you have any hobbies that you escape to like anything that helps you unwind and recharge well you know another i'd call it a hobby but it is also work is i've been getting into video like shooting and editing like some of those checkmate videos I did myself. So actually that's a good segue. So let's talk about the track called 2020 Love. This is the lead off single from the album Aviator Game that you worked on with Checkmate. And Checkmate the Rapper is another Van City hip hop legend. Here's a clip. I got something to say. I wish nothing but the best for you, cuz 2020, I show nothing but love If you hustling like us, I relate like we was family, bruh Commiserate with every struggle, stay tough And I'm not hating cause the energy required Quite frankly, would leave me tired Depression is producing exact effects we desire Specialist, the temple, my partner Provide the fire for me to spit all that fly shit That wavy niggas require Cloud surfer Coasting on inertia, smoking on that high octane, no life preserver. I'm jumping out the window, give a fuck about what you think. I get lit in that whip, push that engine to the brink. Coming with mama, careful with that, please don't spill your drink. I'm on point, don't condone this shit, but I move like a pimp. Fans all in my sweats, I got money on that hip. Let's advance, shorty, do that dance, hope we all get rich. Listen, uh, I wish nothing but the best for you, blood. 2020, I show nothing but love. Keep you focused on your family. Remember, health is wealth that's above. First thing, the video you did was super slick. I really liked it. Can you tell us how that came about? Checkmate had me do another one of his videos before, some months earlier, called Brazy. Mm -hmm. And because uh, he had seen some work that I did for a few other artists. And he was like, yo, Kimo, do this video. I want to try you out. I was like, okay, cool. And then with the 2020, it was kind of like, okay, this is our project. And he's like, I need you. You have to do it. It's your project. Yeah. So he had these ideas to use emojis and those kind of graffiti walls. The majority of the, you know, those shots were kind of his ideas. And they, he lives downtown and these were billboards that were posted on top of businesses downtown Robson Street. Because okay. a lot of the businesses boarded up their windows for fear of break-ins and yeah. vandalism sure, sure. while the pandemic everything was shut down i think the city paid for people to do murals on these billboards i don't know if yeah. they paid or if it was just left open but uh i know a bunch of people just went and did their thing um 
and those were there and he wanted to make use of them uh, at the time we shot it everything was being taken down so we had just got there like a day or two before all these billboards were removed talk it, about good timing on that eh? yeah yeah it was probably one of the quickest shoots i've ever done as far as like showing up with camera got my, my stabilizer and it was just we got there early in the morning so there wasn't a lot of people and he just did his thing and then we picked a few other scenes that were like within that same neighborhood like a block or two away and then i just uh, i put it together and i i was playing with that whole little drawing you know how you draw the marker crayon effect so that was a plug-in that I had just gotten at the same time that I started that video. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll, I'll like try this little pencil drawing thing to this video. And so for me, it was kind of a learning process doing it, like using that, the whole drawing technique and, mm -hmm. and stuff. So like cool. I said, as a hobby, it's fun. I find it fun editing and learning these new tricks. And Well, I think you can add a kick-ass video producer to your credits as well. <laughs> you know? Thanks, bro. So can you talk about the new album, Aviator Game? That title is pretty interesting. Are there any special meanings about it? If you look back, every Checkmate album has something to do with game. Welcome to the game, natural game, <laughs> like mm. everything, everything is game. So he kind of kept in line with these projects because uh, the last project he did with my with my production partner from Vanguard's uh, Vago, they have uh, that one was called uh, it's called Hustle Game. Right. Okay. So all his albums have to do with game. Um, mm -hmm. So he figured this feel that we're going to do is going to be a little more fly. It's a little more pimpy, smooth, kind of mm -hmm. suave. Yep. And he figured, oh, it's going to be aviator game. I'm like, OK, cool. You know, I'm not hard to please. So um, that's how that came about. This project, we're still we're still kind of in the works of finishing a few of the records. And I think we're going to release a few more singles before we drop the entire project i think we got nine possibly ten tracks in total and, and it's um, just and it's just that real kind of feel right like the the angle on this because his his last project with with vago was a little more grimy gully kind of like east coast underground you know a little more a little more dramatic sounding and so this one i'm like okay well he did that i could do that too but he they already did that let's i'm gonna let's pick some more kind of smooth pimped out kind of laid back kind of feels so that that's kind of what we went with with this with this album i like the sound of the tracks that i've heard so far it's really good with your music equipment setup what would you say your favorite piece of tech is i am a very simple individual when it comes to that and i've streamlined everything after i started using reason the same friend of mine that put me on to uh reason my man uh fact jackson i'll give him mm -hmm. a shout out he put me on the logic and I've been using Logic ever since, and I've acquired an enormous amount of SoftSense and, and other plugins that I utilize as tools. Um, but I am strictly within the box. Now, talking about some of the memories with the Rascals, because a lot of people still wish you guys were around as a group, you know, being out there, being in the front. We miss those days. You know, there's a lot of nostalgia surrounding you guys, but you guys were also putting out some kick-ass music and a lot of the people miss you guys. And I was just wondering maybe if you can tell us some of your best memories when working with the guys and some of the collaborations with artists such as Keras One or Barrington Levy, like any good road stories that you could share. 
I mean, yeah, a lot of those tours and shows we did, they were all amazing. Um, really blessed to be a part of, of those events and the shows we did and, and, and to kind of team up with uh, all the, the people that we did. Um, as far as uh, a good story, uh, one very memorable one, which was comedic at the same time, was when we get invited to the first Junos for being nominated for... I think it was our Really Living album. I think we were nominated as best recording or best album or something. Mm-hmm. And this would have been uh, 94, maybe. And we're somewhere in Toronto, I think the show was. And uh, Red makes buddy buddies with the guy from uh, Skid Row, Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Red, Red makes buddy buddies with Sebastian Bach. And he's like, yeah, I got to join. Let's go smoke in the bathroom. <laughs> so this was like our first Junos smoking and joining the bathroom. And then I, I think we had like uh, the security or the usher came and he's like, oh. And then they, they were going to like bug out on us. But then Sebastian pulls out and they're like, oh, okay. It's all good. It's all good. Like That is funny. My first time in New York, um, you know, we get... We had a connection with KRS-One, and he wanted to build his temple of hip-hop and all that. So he was really reaching out to different uh, key players in, in some of the bigger cities. And he had invited us to New York to kind of, like, collaborate. And uh, that's how we got him on the album. I think we had did a show with him, and we had opened up for him in Toronto. And then we like, were like, yo, let's let's do a record. And, you know, we, were, we had BMG behind us, so they were willing to fund that collaboration and Karis one liked what he saw when we performed and but when we got there like I, yeah I remember him picking us up he drove us to like Harlem and this is a culture shock for me like I, I'd never really seen New York or, or been into like these boroughs and uh it was really amazing right like for me and then he we're rolling he picked us up in his Mercedes and he drove us over here he went to go buy weed and we eventually got to the studio uh-huh. and he's pulling out his SP12 and we're, we're working on we're working he showed us i think he showed us a few different beats and we're like okay yeah that that's what we want to fuck with i wish i was a fly on the wall just yeah. taking that all in <laughs> this must have been so cool do you still keep in contact with red one and misfit are they still involved in the music biz at all we're still in contact they're still my peoples and uh they don't really record though red one if you run into him he will tell you straight to your face that he still raps and he still records but he's lying out his ass <laughs> If he writes raps, he never records them or, or puts them out. But there's one record I have, which I intend to release eventually. It's a feature with Smith & Wesson that we did. We recorded this in like 2010. And then I recently revamped the beat. I put a different beat because I got tired of the other one. And uh, we needed a hook on it. We had this hook, but we were like, okay, let's see if Snow can do that hook. So I sent it to Snow. And uh, we were hoping he was going to kind of do the original melody that was there, but he did something else completely different. So uh, it's dope, though. It's really dope. So it, it, it all worked out anyway. So I'm sitting on a record with, with Rascal's feature and Smith & Wesson and Snow. We can't wait to hear that. That's so cool. But other than that, Rascal's, you know, there was another record with, with Red One and Method Man that I had put out recently, but I kind of took it down because I wanted to put it back up as a remix. And it's more of a technical thing why I took it down, but I will put it back up. As far as Rascal's, these guys, yeah, they're not really recording. They're not, they're not in the music stuff, really. That's too bad. Like I said, the music that you guys were making back in the day, 
it stands and it's great. You guys did a killer job, man. You were cranking out the beats back then. We're still listening to you guys on YouTube, Spotify, you know, whatever platform is available. We're getting it done. We're listening to you guys. We appreciate it. You know, your fans are there. Let me ask you this. In Van City with this COVID thing, what have you seen in terms of the negative effects? I mean, now it looks and it seems like most things are back to normal. But I mean, especially it's most apparent to guys like myself that are in the uh, entertainment industry. Everything's shut down again, like right, like no bars, no casinos, uh, lounges, even restaurants have to stop selling alcohol after 10. Like they've just killed that industry like Mm. completely like you know big venues that were you know hosting events concerts tours like everything shut down like so people in that industry are making nothing like they are some clubs will never be opening again from what i've been told so i've been hearing the same thing even here in ontario a lot of the artists have been saying We've lost our jobs. There's no money coming in. It's really sad. And, you know, it bothers me and a lot of other people that are music fans just watching these artists, these people, fellow citizens, they're just getting crushed underfoot. It's horrible. And that's why any chance that we get to promote local artists in our podcast, we will do that. You guys need all the support that you can get. We'll close out this episode with Red One, Misfit, and DJ Chemo from The Rascals and their hit track, Game Time, Sharpshooter, featuring Brett the Hitman Hart. Before we wrap this up, any upcoming collaborations, any special news that you'd like to send out to the people? Yeah, look out for my artist. I have him signed to me uh, under Vanguard's is uh, Balam Kiel. He's a reggaeton artist I was talking about. And uh, we're just trying to consistently release some new music with him and, and trying to get his stuff off the ground. A very talented young Mexican kid doing that whole Latin, Latino, urban feel, so... And then we got the snow record, like I said, with Smith and Wesson that'll eventually come out. We just got to kind of work that angle with Snow's people a little more. And then we got the Checkmate, the full project, Aviator Game. I'll be dropping soon, and I'm working on getting that released through this uh, German label as well. He wants to press out some CDs for us. 
I think also through my boy Jay Swing and Flip Out's uh, record label, they've been pressing up 7 inches, so they, they might be putting some of the re- those records on to 7-inch. Uh, we wish you all the best, continued success, and hopefully we'll be able to hear some of that new music coming out fairly shortly. We'll be waiting for it. Thanks again for being on the show today and come back anytime. Cool. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. We're going to be posting all our information on our website, on our Instagram feed, at Pod Jerky. We'll catch you in the next episode of Pod Jerky. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go now! Pod Jerky.